GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, rural health care, rural crime and revenue sharing were among the key issues discussed at the SARM annual convention, which wrapped up yesterday in Saskatoon. We'll hear from SARM President Ray Orb on today's program. The canola futures freefall that we've been seeing so far in March finally ended yesterday with some positive news. We'll hear from Errol Anderson with Pro Market Communications in Calgary. He will tell us why canola has been sliding so much during the month of March. The Saskatchewan First Act was passed yesterday in the provincial legislature. Justice Minister Bronwyn Eyre discussed the issue at the SARM Cabinet Bear Pit session on Wednesday. She'll tell us what it means for agriculture. The health of a cow that has just given birth to a calf should be monitored closely by its owner. That from Jennifer Hayden of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford. She is a livestock and feed extension specialist. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Rural health care, rural crime, and revenue sharing were among the key issues discussed at the SARM annual convention, which concluded yesterday in Saskatoon. President Ray Orb says there were over 1,000 delegates from rural Saskatchewan in attendance. Well, it was a great convention. Uh, you know, uh, Prairie Land Park is a great place to have a convention in Saskatoon. We had uh, over 1,300 delegates registered, and I think at uh, a few points during the convention, we had closer to 1,500 people in, in the assembly hall. And so it was a great interaction, you know, especially during the bear pit session. I think that's always kind of the highlight, you know, the premier gets to speak first of all, and then we go right into the bear pit session. So there were a lot of really good interactions there between our delegates and the cabinet ministers. He lists some of the key issues raised in the bear pit session. Well, you know, the same concerns over wildlife, wildlife depredation tags, you know, and there was a resolution passed later on uh, that day, you know, about the uh, about the tags. And so what's happening around rural Saskatchewan, I think a lot of people know this, but there are a lot of uh, deer, elk, kind of uh, moose in some, in some cases, getting into farmers' yards, particularly into their haystacks or grain bags, because, you know, we had a lot of snow earlier on this season, and a lot of freezing rain, and so the animals are really having a struggle to find enough food. So unfortunately, they're going into farmers' yards. So the premier did mention that during the bear pit that they were going to do something to provide depredation tags, and they're going to work with SARM, and we're hoping to work, you know, with the um, Ministry of Environment to be able to uh, allocate some depredation tags out into rural Saskatchewan where they're really needed right now. Or about line some of the other key resolutions to come out of the convention. 
Yeah, of course, you know, healthcare is always a, always a big issue, and that, you know, that came up during the Bearford as well. There were lots of questions directed towards the Minister of Health and the Minister of Remote Health as well, you know, trying to make sure that we not only get doctors and nurses out into rural Saskatchewan, but also, you know, nurse practitioners, you know, uh, emergency service people, paramedics, you know, all the other staffing uh people that they need out in the rural clinics and the rural hospitals. And that the message resounded loud and clear. And, you know, the Ministry of Health, you know, they're, they're reaching out to SARM now and we're actually going to be meeting next week just prior to the budget. And uh, they want to talk to us about some action items that they've got uh, ready to go right now. So th- those kind of things, you know, uh, it's normal for a convention to talk about rural health, but this year there was a really stronger focus on that. And I think that's because, you know, the province is bringing that to front and center as well and we just really need to work together on that one resolution that did stand out i think the importance of it you know can't be overstated is the tax ratio changes that the province is uh, bringing in so particularly in the heavy oil region the northwest part of saskatchewan you know there are lots of rms up there that under a lot of pressure right now especially for you know the oil companies coming in you know they're doing a lot of road damage that's kind of a normal kind of thing for oil companies because they run 24 seven and rain or shine so uh, the provinces is, is they're looking at they're pushing the uh, rms to kind of toe the line and to actually uh, use a lower ratio so what it will mean there will be tax shifts in some cases rms may have to cut back in their services so we're still working with that group and we want to develop kind of an ongoing strategy to try to convince the province to back off and at least to give them time to mitigate the the issue also asking if the province does do it, that the province will compensate some of the arms financially until they can get in a position where they they can adhere to the guidelines, actually to the regulations. He also offered his thoughts on Saskatchewan's efforts to help battle rural crime. Well, you know, we we had a good discussion not too long ago with Minister Tell in particular about the new Marshalls program. And, you know, we're still a little concerned about that, but it looks like now, you know, the province is going ahead with that program. Uh, They're going to be bringing in, I believe, around 70 officers that will do Marshall duties. And we've been reassured that they are going to be working with the RCMP to complement the RCMP. They're not there to replace the RCMP, but we're also hearing from the RCMP that they need more funding as well. So I'm hoping perhaps, you know, Wednesday is our budget day. Maybe there will be something in there for the RCMP. And I know the RCMP has been asking for about $20 million a year, more than what they're getting now. So that could go towards some officers, but also towards administration, which I think they're really looking for. Ray Orb is the president of SARM. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. The B.C. government has announced $5 million in funding to help protect farms from animal diseases, including bird flu, swine fever, and foot and mouth disease. Agriculture Minister Pam Alexis says the investment will provide B.C. farmers and ranchers with the support to better prepare for disease outbreaks and respond more quickly. It will support industry associations with a variety of activities, including business planning, research, biosecurity measures, and equipment purchases needed to respond to an animal disease outbreak. The new funding was announced amid an outbreak of avian flu, 
that has killed millions of domestic poultry since it began last April. The Silcoton National Government says it wants the B.C. and federal governments to revoke all permits and licenses issued to a cattle firm after its owner recently pleaded guilty to Fisheries Act violations. The First Nation says Felix Schellenberg admitted in February to destroying fish habitat and infilling fish channels around the Kleena Clean and Little Chilcotin rivers. It says Schellenberg owns the business Pasture to Plate and the Rafter 25 Ranch and was fined $460,000 in addition to remediation costs for the habitat destruction. Chief Joe Alphonse says Schellenberg destroyed kilometers of important Chinook salmon habitat to expand a hay field. Feather industry officials are calling for extreme caution among poultry farmers after cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza turned up at two southern Ontario properties in the past week. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says it has confirmed cases of the virus detected last Friday in a backyard poultry flock in the municipality of Chatham-Kent, about 80 kilometres west of Windsor, and Tuesday this week in a commercial poultry barn in the township of West Lincoln, about 35 kilometers southeast of Hamilton. The CFIA set up restricted zones around the affected properties this week. The Ontario cases were two of just three to have been confirmed in domestic birds in Canada since early February. The third was in a backyard poultry flock in southern Nova Scotia's Yarmouth County, detected March 4th. The United Nations backed Turkey and Ukraine by calling for a 120-day rollover of an agreement allowing the safe export of grain from several Ukrainian black seaports after Russia said it would only extend the pact for 60 days. The pact is due to expire tomorrow. It was brokered with Russia and Ukraine by the United Nations and Turkey in July and renewed in November to combat a global food crisis that was fueled in part by Moscow's full-scale invasion of neighboring Ukraine and blockade of its Black Sea grain exports. But Russia's foreign ministry says the deal is being extended for only 60 days. Senior UN and Russian officials met in Geneva on Monday to discuss extending the grain deal. China will step up buying of domestic soybeans by state reserves to encourage farmers to keep planting the crop as Beijing continues to push for greater self-sufficiency in oilseed. China started to increase soybean planting a year ago amid worries about its heavy reliance on imports of protein-rich beans that feed its huge herd of livestock. But after boosting planting by 22% last year, farmers struggled to sell their crop which is priced higher than genetically modified imported soybeans and predominantly sold for food use. China will guide its state stockpiler to plan new purchases of domestically produced soybeans in a couple of producing regions. It says the stockpiler should increase the intensity of purchase and storage, release positive signals, and make use of the role of market guidance. Hexo Corporation's chief executive says he's seen a price war take shape over the last five months that could cause significant damage to Canada's cannabis industry. 
Charlie Bowman says there are many smaller and independent pot retailers that are bleeding because of the higher number of rivals and their tendency to undercut one another. He says the industry's pricing troubles have been compounded by the illicit market, which Bowman noticed had fantastic growth this year, challenging licensed cannabis producers. And that's today's AgriView. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will return right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and minus 15 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The health of a cow that has just given birth to a calf should be monitored closely by its owner. Jennifer Hayden is the Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford. The postpartum interval, the time between calving and the first estrus after calving, is largely determined by the nutritional status of the animal and her body condition. During this time, nutritional requirements peak. Cows are expending energy lactating, repairing their reproductive tracts for rebreeding, and meeting their own maintenance and growth requirements. To be productive and profitable, these cows need to maintain a 365-day calving interval, meeting her nutritional requirements at all stages of production, but especially during this critical time, is essential for success. Nutritional requirements for the animal are prioritized based on physiological factors, maintenance, growth, milk production, fertility, and body reserves. If cows are deficient in energy or protein after calving, they produce less milk, often resulting in lower weaning weights. Cows in this situation will often have subsequent difficulty with fertility. The two and three year old cows that are still growing may also be subject to growth stunting in an energy and protein deficient scenario. The good news is that their appetite increases in lactation by 30%. Providing a nutrient-dense diet will aid in returning to estrus in a timely manner. Forages alone rarely meet the nutritional needs of a lactating cow. Depending on where your forages are lactating, energy and or protein supplementation will be necessary to meet all requirements. Some examples include barley grain, pellets, peas, and canola meal. In addition, Failure to provide adequate vitamins and minerals can result in milk fever or winter tetany and could have longer-term implications for fertility. If herd fertility has been an issue in the past, consider switching to a different form of mineral that is formulated with fertility in mind. Remember to consider water quality when adjusting the ration and mineral program to optimize rebreeding. Although reproduction is low on a cow's nutritional priority list, it is at the top for producers. Ensuring the cow's nutritional requirements are met during the postpartum interval is critical to the rebreeding success. Monitor the condition of your herd throughout calving and lactation periods. Contact your nutritionist or your local livestock and feed extension specialist for assistance with feed and water analysis and ration services that ensure your females are fed with fertility in mind. For more information on this or other livestock and feed related topics, contact your nearest regional office, visit saskatchewan.ca slash agriculture, or call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. 
That's Jennifer Hayden, the Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April closed at 162.32 today. That's down two. June live cattle closed at 156.40, down 47. April feeder cattle closed at 194.65, down 50. May feeder cattle closed at 199.95, down 32. April lean hogs closed at 79.87, up 42. May lean hogs closed at 86.77, down 120. And that's the livestock market conditions. The canola futures freefall that we've seen so far in March finally ended yesterday with some green on the screen. The consensus is the investment funds are responsible. Plus, there's a lot of uncertainty in global financial markets. This is Errol Anderson with ProMarket Communications in Calgary. The root cause is definitely the global credit crisis and, and certainly the problems with the banking system globally, both in, in the United States and in Europe. It's a bit of a domino effect. Once the credit markets get squeezed, then you see the leverage start to peel out of this market and the longs get caught, loans are called in, and before you know it, you have serious liquidation. Anderson says canola futures are at their lowest level in a year. So the canola market right now has dropped basically $100 a ton in the past week. We've got the May contract uh, now that's pushed down to about $740 a metric ton. The November is down to about 720 albeit we do believe we're seriously oversold right now. But when everybody's in a panic mode right now and it's a run for cash, then this market could go anywhere. But once we get a breath of fresh air, we're going to see a rebound. He notes another commodity taking a beating right now is crude oil, with world prices down 20% in the past week. Meanwhile, the Saskatchewan First Act was passed yesterday in the Saskatchewan Legislature. Premier Scott Moe says the bill is designed to prevent federal intrusion into provincial jurisdictions, such as regulation of fertilizer use. Justice Minister Bronwyn Eyre spoke about the Saskatchewan First Act during the SARM Cabinet Bear Pit session on Wednesday morning. She says the act covers day-to-day -day business of farming and the use of fertilizer. That's just traditionally been in the provincial realm, and so to Premier's point about is this one of these economic hardship areas which, um, which the feds continue to impose on us, uh, absolutely it's up for consideration and that's precisely the reason that, that we brought in the Sask First Act because of the, the continued infringement into these areas which, which causes harm. There are concerns in the agricultural community about the federal government's plans to reduce carbon emissions. Ottawa continues to say any measures involving fertilizer will be voluntary. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Later this year, the first three students will graduate from the distance delivery option of the Registered Veterinary Technologist Program at Sask Polytech in Saskatoon. 
These three students were able to take most of their classes online, as well as gaining experience at a local veterinary clinic that provides large animal care services. Rural areas of Western Canada are not only experiencing a shortage of veterinarians, there is also a need for registered veterinary technologists, or RVTs. RVTs perform many duties and provide valuable assistance to veterinarians. 23-year-old Molly Hastings from Weyburn was the first student accepted into the distance delivery option of the RVT program. I've always wanted to be a vet tech, but it didn't fit with my lifestyle. I couldn't move away from Weyburn to Saskatoon. My life was here. I needed to work my job to pay my bills, so to go to school, it just wasn't feasible. My manager at Weyburn said, hey, like, you should look into this distance program. I think it would be good. And I was like, well, Kristen, I was actually going to come talk to you about it because I'd already been looking into it. So that's how it came about, and I applied, and I was the first person to ever be accepted into the program, which was also super exciting. So that's how it came about. She notes she was working at a veterinary clinic in Weyburn at the time. When you're the receptionist, you kind of see it all. You work with the clients, you're making appointments, but you're also working with the other staff um, at the clinic, which I also think is why... I really enjoyed this program because I knew how a clinic ran and operated before going in and I just saw how much the techs did and like how much education they provide to the clients and how much more hands-on it was. They do so much and I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a bigger role in the vet clinic and this was the way to do it. Hastings talks about the application process. It was super easy super clear on the website like when you're going through the application process the paperwork is super easy they tell you what you need to fill out for your host clinic and what your host clinic needs to fill out it was a super easy process for me she says she split her time between Weyburn and Saskatoon yeah if you're in your hometown doing lectures asynchronously so you don't have to attend lectures live then you're in clinic a couple of days a week it just all depends on the semester like how many days of lecture you have versus how many days of in clinic you have which can all be done from your hometown which i've been doing in Weyburn. and then we come to saskatoon probably once a semester just for a couple of days just to do those things that our clinic can't do or just refine some of our skills or do some evaluations that we're unable to do at our host clinic they've really adapted it to make sure that it's stuff we can't do at the clinic. So anything you can possibly do at the clinic, they try and get you to do at the clinic, so you're only coming to Saskatoon for those things that you're unable to do kind of thing. Hastings says there's both theoretical and practical testing done. There is. Most classes, um, there is a theory and a practical compartment, which is super nice because you got to be good at your practical that you're doing every day, but you got to know your theory behind it as well. So you test on all levels. She says in Weyburn, she works with large and small animals. We are a mixed animal clinic here in Weyburn, so we do see large animals, and that's one thing that the program's trying to get. They're trying to get people into those mixed practice, so one of the requirements for your host clinic, it has to be a mixed animal practice, which we are here in Weyburn. We are a mixed animal clinic, yeah. Hastings says she has a rural background, just not in Saskatchewan. I'm 
actually from England, where I did grow up with family members, so my grandma in particular and my dad that did work in the farming business, so cows and mainly sheep. I've been here nine years now, and I have not lived on a farm. I live in the city. She starts her practicum in the coming weeks. So your practicum is you're just touching up your skills as pretty much working as an RBT, but you're not an RBT. So you're going around with your RBTs and you're doing things under their supervision, just pretty much refining skills, making sure that you're proficient in everything, getting repetition. So like making sure you're doing it well, taking feedback. So areas of weakness, you're going to get feedback on that. So you're pretty much working for the next couple of weeks under the eyes of the RBT, just working in areas where you need to touch up and just touching up those skills and refining them down so that you're ready when you go out in the workforce and that it's not just like you're diving in kind of thing. Hastings believes a vet tank is a great profession. People think that going into this profession, it's like, oh, you get to love dogs and cats all day. That's not what it is. You do, but it's not just that. There is so much that you do in this profession, and you're just doing something new every day. Like, it's constantly a challenging job, but it's also a rewarding job. To me, client education is going to be a big one. I love working with people and working with dogs and just educating them on the knowledge that I've learned um, is going to be a big thing for me. Like passing on what I've learned to other people like, hey, did you know this? Like it's crazy. But yeah, you're doing something different every day. You're meeting new people and you're seeing different pets every day. You're seeing new cases, like new things you've never seen before. It's just, There's something new. It keeps you on your toes. It is a hard job, but it's also a rewarding one. She says she gets to deal with many different types of exotic animals. So we have seen a few. We had a goat in this week, um, and we, we have seen a couple of rabbits and rats and stuff. Mainly those people do tend to go to a clinic that has more experience with exotics. They would rather um, they go see a vet that does that all the time. Um, but as for basic things, yeah, we've seen... Um, yeah, they've seen quite a few snakes. We've seen quite a few different things, birds. But yeah, mainly we're dog, cats, and cows. But we do also get the odd one that surprises us. Like the goat that came in this week was super cute. And Hastings had these final comments. Yeah, I just want to give a major shout out to my clinic. I would not be where I am today without them and my family. They actually one of my uh, vets asked me the other day he's like why do you think you succeeded in this program and I said honestly my co-workers and my family I would not have gone to where I am today without the time that every single staff member of that clinic has put into me and how I've had pushback from nobody they've all been so willing to help me and just so willing to teach me new things and my family have helped me so unbelievably much like if I wanted to go to the clinic to get in on cases, just helping me with my our daughter and my husband, he's been awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's just been a great two years, I guess. Molly Hastings from Weyburn is in the final stage of her studies to become a registered veterinary technologist. There are a few prerequisites to enroll in the distance delivery option of the registered veterinary technologist program. The applicant needs a grade 12 diploma that includes English and Math 30, as well as Biology and Chemistry.
The prospective student also needs to volunteer for 40 hours at a mixed animal clinic prior to applying to get an idea what it is like to work in a vet clinic. There's room for eight students in the fall class, and a school official says there are many rural clinics that are willing to work with an interested student. More information can be found on the Sask Polytechnic website. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. May canola closed at 751.60, down $4.20. July canola closed at 745.10, down $7 per metric ton. May Minneapolis wheat closed at 860 and three quarters, up 11 and three quarters of a cent. May Kansas City wheat closed at 835 and three quarters up 16 cents. May Chicago wheat closed at 7.10 and a half, up 11 and a half cents. May corn closed at 6.34 and a quarter, up one and a half cents. May soybeans closed at 14.76 and a half, down 15 cents. May oats closed at 3.48 per bushel, up one and a half cents. And that's the Commodities Update. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Farm Bulletin Board. In response to requests from Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan members over the past year, APAS is hosting a Livestock Summit at the Saskatoon Inn on April 5th to bring together academics, producers and industry to help identify solutions to the current circumstances impacting livestock producers including cattle, bison and sheep. Registration for the Livestock Summit is now open. You can visit the apas.ca website to register. You can find it under that site. And of course Saskatchewan is the second largest cattle producing province in Canada and is home to more than a third of the country's native and tame pasture land. According to the latest StatScan reports, the provincial cattle herd has decreased by approximately 90,000 heads since January of 2021. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Sunny skies, winds north-northwest at 15 to 30, and a high of minus 11 degrees. For tonight, clear, winds southwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 22. For tomorrow, sunny. Winds southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 4, a low of minus 14. 
For Sunday, mainly sunny, winds north-northeast at 15 to 25, and a high of minus 4. For Monday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 7, and Tuesday, partly to mainly cloudy, also a high of minus 7. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 16 degrees. Dauphin and Show Lake Russell are at minus 15, Brandon minus 13, Roblin minus 12. Regina, Broadview Mooseman and Indian Head all reporting in at minus 15 degrees. Saskatoon and Hudson Bay minus 14. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 18. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a north-northwest wind at 30 kilometers an hour. 70% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 15 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 26 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.